When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of iNewsJoe.co.uk and the iNewspaper. Just me tonight to look back at day two of the US Open. Tuesday, where we closed out the first round, we got to see who were the true kings of fantasy tennis, where we lost yet more seeds and incredibly every British player won. This is Tennis Unfiltered. Yes, this is Unfiltered, where I can track down neither George nor Calvin, as occasionally happens during a full fortnight of a Grand Slam. Um, I should congratulate Calvin on reaching the second round, which is technically a match that took place in tomorrow's podcast, but it has already happened, so I'm going to tell you about it today. Um, Calvin will tell you about it in much more detail when I catch up with him. But uh, yes, congratulations, Julian and Henry, for making it through to the second round of the US Open. They won 7-5-6-1 over Will Blomberg and Steve Johnson. I think they are more than likely to now face the German pair of Kravitz and Kutz, assuming that they make it through their own uh, first round tie, which I believe is tomorrow. Uh, so Henry and Jules will have a day up of day of rest up on their opponents, which during US Open, when everyone seems to be getting ill and chucking their guts up, as someone put it to me the other day, um, probably quite handy. Although maybe that just gives you another day to <laughs> get food poisoning. Who knows? Uh, fingers crossed everyone who's Suffering that stomach bug that seems to be going around is uh, able to get through it and doesn't have to retire from matches, which is, of course, the worst possible outcome on Jabour, is someone who had been ill but amazingly came through it, um, despite basically having been in tears uh, on uh, the Louis Armstrong court against Maria Osorio Serrano. Uh, she was having a blood pressure check. She looked all sorts of ill, uh, but came through a one seven five seven six against a very fine player. So... Hopefully she's able to recover in time for a clash with Linda Noskova, who is a junior Grand Slam champion from the Czech Republic, probably a name to watch. So that wasn't who I was planning on starting with, but it struck me that people might be quite intrigued to know that Omsibor was, to say the least, uh, battling breathing difficulties because she's got the flu and she's also got a history of asthma. So yeah, pretty tough, um, but hopefully she can get herself fighting fit again, because obviously she's someone who has gone very well at the US Open before and also has quite a lot of points to defend, so uh, pretty important for her that she's able to 
get herself back fit. Um, it should be noted that it is extremely hot in New York. Uh, I was texting Mikey Hinks today. He was telling me how humid it is and how he was glad to be able to get out into Central Park and try and get some air, just get away from the city a little bit. Um, yeah, not not easy conditions to play tennis in. I'm sure the ice towels and the air conditioning tubes and the uh, bottles of sort of well, always look sort of like cloudy water, but I'm sure it's kind of lemon flavored stuff. We'll be doing uh, the hard yards today. I've absolutely no doubt about that. Um, but looking back on Tuesday, uh, it's really the Brits that I had to start with, to be honest, because there were a total of six Brits in action and all of them won and all of them won in the straight sets. Jodie Burridge, Katie Bolter, Dan Evans, Andy Murray, Jack Draper and Cameron Norrie. Now, in the context of Grand Slams, where most of our job as British journalists has been to point out how bad we are at tennis, <laughs> Uh, it is refreshing to at least have one, even if it is just the first round and there's a good chance that many of them will lose in the second round. It is good at least to have a little bit of positivity to be able to uh, to be able to, to radiate for at least a few hours. Uh, I know positivity isn't always what we do on this podcast. Uh, we, I like to think we balance a bit of positivity and criticism, but uh, yeah, credit where credit's due. Um, I'm not really sure who the best win there is, to be quite honest. I mean, Given his form, I'm always tempted to say Cam Norrie because he's been playing so awfully this summer, but equally he was playing someone who, you know, is on a Shevchenko, he really should be beating him every single time. And, and probably you say that the same in the second round where he's got uh, Yu Shu Shu Shu, I think I've said that right, um, who is from Taiwan uh, and came through qualifying. And, you know, Norrie will be a big favourite in that match. So, it would not be great if he was uh, unable to make it through that. Um, but you know, maybe he just finds his feet. He's got a, I mean, he's got a very open draw to begin with, uh, with Talon Grexpor, who was one of the men's seeds for one of three men's seeds to lose on Tuesday. Talon Grexpor, number twenty-four seed, lost to the very impressive Frenchman Arthur Fies, who just keeps picking up decent results. I know David Law of the Tennis Podcast is a huge Arthur Fies fan. I should say, not Fies. I never remember that with French. My A-level French deserting me here. I think it is Fils. Um, but other Fils, for people who don't know about him, he's 19 years old. Um, he already has an ATP title to his name, which he won just before the French Open to absolute uh, acclaim. I don't know. There really were. I mean, there was a raucous reception when he won that title uh, just the day before the French Open. Uh, probably didn't actually do him very much good because he then turned up to the French Open absolutely knackered and lost in four sets to Davidovich Fakina. Um, but he is now, I would suggest, well, I mean, he is literally in the US Open on merit, direct entry and into the second round on merit, where he will face Matteo Analdi, who, who came through after Jason Kubler retired injured. So, the, you know, that the winner of that attempt potentially plays Norrie. And you'd have to say, you can't really ask for a better opening three matches, you know, if, if you're trying to handpick your way through the draw, which I think Cam Norrie in the form he's been in probably needs to. <laughs> the only the only slight worry is he might, you know, play three relatively easy matches and then run into Carlos Alcaraz in the fourth round. And it's like, how do you make that step up? But I think he's probably got the the mental game to do that. And the confidence of winning three matches in a row, I mean, that's something he's not done in a long time. I, I'm i just trying to think when the last time he won three matches in a row even would be. 
and just cycling through. Crikey, I mean, I know he's had a bad year, but this is, I mean, I've got a, here we go, Indian Wells. Yeah, of course, Indian Wells is the last time he won three matches in a row. So that is five months uh, since he's done that. I mean, okay, at the moment he's only 1-1, and I'm going to be ahead of myself a little bit, but that is pretty significant, I would suggest. Um, so yeah, in, in that context, I think that that's a pretty good win for Cam Norrie. Um, Dan Evans has just had a classic Dan Evans year in some ways. He's had slumps. He's had a title. Albeit there's not been that many of them. Uh, but yeah, just a, a comfortable straight set victory. Um, yeah, probably he was as surprised as anyone for all seven Brits to, to come through the first round. So uh, yeah, pretty exciting for, for British prospects. I know Dan is a big supporter of British tennis. He's also a big critic, but the reality is that he is that because he really cares about British tennis and about success for British tennis players. So uh, I'm sure he will actually be absolutely delighted by what they've managed to achieve. Um, don't get me wrong, Andy Murray's win was really good. Uh, it was a really good match to watch. Quentin Mute, uh, as I think I alluded to uh, yesterday, or at least George did, is a very entertaining player. He, he does overstep the line. He, he's had a big fight with Dan Evans before. And, uh, he, you know, He's not going to win a Grand Slam, but he's entertaining. He's a bit smaller, so he has to be a bit more innovative. He's a really good mover. And players like that tend to produce really good matches against Andy Murray because he's a creative player. He's able to put the ball into different areas of the court and kind of bring that best out of them. And he also likes to get involved in a scrap. And I, I think he enjoyed um, not quite winding Mute up, but giving him the rope to hang himself with, as I think they say. And, you know, he's brilliant at that. And it was, it made for a really good match in the end. So, um, you know, it, it was in straight sets, but it, I think it was a bit better than that, a little bit closer maybe. I know players always say this when they win in straight sets, oh, it's closer than the scoreline says. Um, but I really think it was closer than 2-5 and 3. Um, he now plays uh, Grigor Dimitrov on Thursday in the second round. We thought for a while it was going to be Alex Molcham. Um, who is perennially referred to as the man coached by Marion Vider, who is Novak Djokovic's ex-long-term coach. Uh, he's also a decent player in his own right, and to be fair, I probably have mentioned that as well. I've always He's always struck me as not the fittest player in the world, um, and maybe that came to bear when he was into a fifth-set tie-break against Grigor Dimitrov um, yesterday uh, on, on court seven of all places. It was probably the match of the day, I, I would suggest. Um, it was an absolute thriller. Uh, Molchan took a two-set lead in two tie-breaks, the first of which was 20 points long. Uh, and then Dimitrov roared back. He won the last three sets, 6-1, 7-5. And then, as I mentioned, the deciding tie-break in the fifth, which he won 11 points to nine. Um, I think Andy Murray won't have minded which one of them he faced because tennis players are like that. But he certainly will have been glad to see that they had to spend the best part of five hours, four hours 40, it was in the end, they spent on court in that sweltering heat. And, you know, Grigor Dimitrov isn't getting any younger. He, he's obviously a very fit man. I, I had the pleasure of uh, spending 20 minutes with him at Wimbledon, just chatting. Um, he's the same age as me, bizarrely. I think he's only about two months, something like that, older than me, giving away, giving away my age here again. But, you know, I know, 32 <laughs> If I play sport for four and a half hours, I would struggle to recover in two days. So, um, yeah, I think Murray would be pretty delighted to have seen uh, to have seen that result. Maybe he would have preferred to play Mulch. 
a lower-ranked player, but Murray has beaten Dimitrov a lot. Uh, he, he leads their head-to-head 8-3. So, albeit they've not played since 2016, which is A, seven years ago, and B, a long time ago in Murray years. You know, that is before he did his hip, or sorry, had hip surgery, I should say, before even the first one. Um, but, you know, he's won five of the last six in that kind of period, just before hip surgery. So he knows what it is to beat Grigor Dimitrov. I'll, I'll maybe get Calvin's take if I can, um, exactly how he's going to do that. But um, I think maybe in the kind of hot, bouncy conditions, he might think he can get the ball bouncing, single-handed backhand struggles. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, Katie Walters, Jody Burridge, both probably expected to win just um, big challenge for Jody Burridge coming up against Irina Sabalenka, which is probably where, well, you would expect that is where her US Open campaign ends, but who knows? Um, Katie Bolter playing Wang Yafan, which I think is a tricky old match, um, but we'll see how that goes on Thursday. Um, moving on, well, actually, no, sorry, not moving on from the matches I've already talked about, but moving on to a slightly different topic. Uh, people who were watching the other day may have noticed that the umpire pulled a tablet out from under her chair because Corentin Muter was convinced that he had not not upped, if that makes sense. And basically, uh, Andy Murray hit a drop shot, uh, Muter ran it down, and he felt got a racket on it before it bounced for the second time. And the umpire called not up, uh, so Murray was on the point. And Muta, as this is right now, requested a umpire review. Um, VR, as they're calling it. It's essentially what Premier League football fans will know as VAR, or really football fans in any league these days, not well as VAR. And essentially, the referee gets a tablet out, and what the umpire should say, gets a tablet out, watches it back, uh, communicates with the producer through a microphone and headphone setup so that they can discuss you know, the various angles and what angles they need to see. And then makes a decision. Um, <laughs> incredibly embarrassingly, the tablet wasn't working, the headphones weren't working, and therefore they weren't able to use it. The, the, the most ironic thing is that it was up on the big screen. The TV producer, who I understand is different from the umpire producer, had the footage of the incident up on TV, which actually showed the umpire got it right. But the umpire is not allowed to use that to make the decision. They're not allowed to look at that. So instead, she had to say, look, it's not working. So my original call has to stand. And, uh, you know, there are going to be teething problems. Uh, That's that's inevitable. Um, Whenever you do something for the first time, could they not have, I don't know, maybe haven't done enough testing of these things. It's a good idea, it's the right idea, it's going in the right direction for that farcical situation last year where, um, I'm trying to remember which Sherindolo it was, I think it was Juan Manuel Chandolo, uh, got a ball up, didn't, and it was called good, Murray was furious about it, came up on the big screen, Sherindolo looked at it and went, yeah, fair enough, that wasn't up, and conceded the point, and Murray said it was a huge show of great sportsmanship, but you know, the umpire could not do that for them, even though the umpire would have seen the footage as well and seen exactly that he had got it wrong. Um, I mean, really, they should just say, well, if there's a big screen on the court, let the umpire use that, because why wouldn't you? Um, 
yeah, kind of baffles. So what they do in rugby, of course, like they get up on the big screen and just let the umpire watch there. I don't really know why they do that in football because they think it'll incite crowds or something. I mean, as if it doesn't, if just crowds need any extra excuse to get incited, I don't know. Um, but yeah, just to, to say the least, as the uh, press association um, correspondent Andy Sims, who's out there, put it, yellow cards, surely. Yes, I think that probably is a yellow card for the organisers. Um, fortunately, they can accrue as many yellow cards as they want, even Howard Webb won't send them off. So, uh, yeah, bungle alert. Um, let's talk about the other seeds who went out yesterday. Probably no great surprises there. Karen Hatchinoff has been battling injury, and he was beaten straight sets by Michael Moe, who, if you ever get a chance to watch Michael Moe, or if you're able to manoeuvre your way around Sky's court choice uh, system, which incidentally I can't because I'm a Virgin Media customer, um, but that's a gripe that others may have. I've got Virgin Media with standard definition Sky Sports, and because I don't have HD Sky Sports, I can't access the multi-court coverage. And because I'm on Virgin Media, I can't get it on my laptop, so the only way I can get multi-court is by getting it on my Dina Dina phone. Um, which I appreciate is a first world problem, but they've been pushing the multi-core coverage thing really hard. And it, you know, I hate to make comparisons, it's bloody easy on Amazon. Not many things were. Once you'd found the tennis, trying to watch the match you wanted was relatively easy. Uh, it is not on Sky. Um, I'd be interested in Sydney to know what people have thought of the Sky presentation so much. I know that means I'll only get the complaints, but I'd be interested to know what people's complaints are. Um, do you think their choice of matches on the main channel is all right? What do you think of the the studio and the way they're using it? Um, you know, the, the way they're using the main channel, like throwing between matches. I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts. Let us know um, on email, tennisunfiltered at gmail.com. I will do my best to read them out, as I always do. Um, my own thoughts, kind of as I've alluded to, the, the multi-court thing doesn't work properly, which is pretty frustrating, um, to say the least. Uh, the presentation I think is okay. Like the studio is not working perfectly. It's a massive studio, as I as I thought you probably uh, gathered if you read my Inside Sky Sports tennis piece uh, on the eye, uh, which I will I'll pop that in the show notes actually because uh, people might find it quite interesting um, because it's all about kind of how they built it and. How it all came together. They're using the Monday Night Football Studio for people who watch football in the UK, and they've kind of rebuilt that. And they've actually had to work with some movement coaches uh, to understand the space a bit better and to work out how to use the tablets while also talking, which I'm told is a really hard thing to do. Well, as someone who cannot do things while also talking, as you'll notice from some of the pauses in these solo podcasts, um, I'm in envy of anyone who can do it well. So, yeah, I'm not surprised I need someone to teach them how to do it. Um, but yeah, I'll drop that piece in, in the show notes um, because people might get a kick out of it. And, you know, that is my full-time job after all, my day job, as some people call it. Um, but yes, Karen Hatchinov, as I mentioned, uh, lost to Michael Moe. And if you do get the chance to use your court selector to watch Michael Moe in the next round, okay, play John Isner, and I never recommend people watch John Isner because it's a bit dull. Um, but <laughs> Michael Moe is an entertaining player. He's a, he seems like a really nice guy. He comes across very well. Had a good run in Australia earlier this year. Um, so, yeah, I would recommend you take the opportunity to, to go and watch that if, if you get the chance. 
uh, or even if you are in New York uh, on that match will be on Thursday. So I know at least one listener is going to be there on Thursday. So maybe go and uh, give it a go. Mm, probably be on a reasonable. I'd probably be on a big call actually. It's two Americans, isn't it? But maybe it'd be on grandstand. So that is one I think that people can get onto with a ground pass. So maybe we try and sneak into one of the big courts. It's, it's evidently possible. Absolutely. Um, the other seed to go out, I've already mentioned Talon Rexbor, which is a real surprise. Um, but Ugo Umber going out as well, which is not such a surprise given his dire form of late. Uh, lost 6 4, 6 2, 6 2 to Matteo Berrettini, who effectively becomes the number 29 seed and nicks Humbert's draw. And I know George, for one, is very intrigued by Matteo Berrettini's chances. He plays Arthur Rindeknecht in the next round, who's the big serving Frenchman. Um, there won't be many long rallies in that, I suspect. But, uh, you know, that seems very winnable. And, and then Rublev or Monfils, who, again, you know, Berrettini, when fit, will look at them and go, yeah, absolutely, why not? It's just just in the conditions, especially. And given the nature of his injury, it's, it's you know, sort of chronic ab problem that he's had. Um, it's just about whether his body holds up. But, you know, he could very easily find himself in a fourth-round match against Hubert Hercatch, for example, which I think he would... I think he would think he's got a chance in. Again, be a pretty one-dimensional match, but I think he's got a shot. Um, let me just cover the women's seeds who went out yesterday. Um, we mentioned Caroline Garcia, George and I, as someone who has been under a lot of pressure and has struggled to cope with it. And it's quite sad, actually, to watch someone who... I just love watching Caroline Garcia play, Garcia play tennis. It's a really entertaining brand of tennis that she plays. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, I think everyone enjoys watching her so I, I will be really disappointed if if she does not come back to the top of the game um, because she's a cracking player she's a decent talker um, yeah it's, it's just you just gotta hope that she uh, she makes it back so yeah not not great but you know congratulations to uh, to Wang Yifang, because that's a big win for her. And she's now into the second round as a qualifier. She's got Katie Bolter, who, you know, I think people will think is a, a match that you, Wang can win, quite frankly. You know, she's going to be back up inside the top 100 in the world after this. She has been as high as 47 a few years ago. So, um, yeah, intriguing to see what she can do with that. And then the other seed to go out uh, in the women's draw, I said Donna Vekic. I think it's a real surprise. I kind of had her labelled as one of the dark horses. Uh, for this tournament, and then she's just been done in three sets by Satya Vikram. So uh, I, I think that might be a name I am saying for the very first time in my life. Uh, I can't pretend to know anything about her. She is 28 years old. She's from Miramar in Florida. Uh, she has been as high as 73 in the world five years ago. Um, if anyone has anything interesting to tell us about Sasha Vickery, then I would be interested to hear it because uh, just glancing through her record, I can't see any reason why all of a sudden she's playing quite well. So good for her, I guess. Um, view with excitement. Um, yeah, feels like a rubbish note to end the podcast on because it's like I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, it's important to admit when you've just been found out something you've never heard before and 
see what happens. Um, I am aware the audio quality on this podcast is a little bit below quality. A few tech issues at this end. Uh, normal service will be resumed tomorrow when, of course, you will be back. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.